The preseason is over, and yet big questions abound, including something that maybe was brought up by Brian Dable in the postgame presser regarding a high-profile, very expensive wide receiver in Kenny Galladay. Let's dive in on that and some of those roster cuts next. Who do you think you are? I am. It's OGP, the one giant podcast, where, of course, we are your host over here, Adam Armbrecht, breaking down the Brooklyn Nets on the Locked On Nets podcast. My boy, Doug Norrie, and yonder there, the seasoned generational ticket holder, the healthy, wealthy, and wise, Mr. Andrew Mackowitz. Oh, Adam, you know, I told everybody uh, on Friday I was looking forward to uh, my college roommate Jay's wedding. Big Jay! It, yes, it, di- it did not disappoint um, fun, fun little nugget from it. Obviously outdoor wedding, beautiful, beautiful weather, music, drinks were great. Um, but I figure, you know, fun little fact was, uh, from Jersey shore, Snooki was in the wedding party. So it was, uh, f- funny to see a, a, a familiar face from television, uh, jumping around, dancing around at the wedding. Sure. Sure. Well, transition here. My God, Snooki. From the Jersey Shore. When was the last time you heard? When, when was the last time you heard that name? Right. Uh, yeah. When it was like uh, when it was the Jersey Shore reunion that happened like two months ago or something, right? Because <laughs> they haven't gone away. It's been thirty years. These guys are in their fifties, and it's cool. They're still bronze as they've ever been. Listen, this is the kind of circles that uh, Andrew Mackowitz is traveling in. This is what OGP brings you. A little bit of that. I'm not even going to disparage whatever level of celebrity it might be. Rubbing elbows. Um. Other people that are rubbing elbows are the media with the coaching staff, right? Because you have the uh, post-game presser. We come out of that preseason game against the uh, cross-stadium rivals, New York Jets. Denzel Mims, some good film on tape. I don't know if he's going he anywhere. We said that. We said that, by the way. We're going to tie it in here. Wide receiver for wide receiver swap. We're even more willing to do that now than ever before. But the big part, Giants lose that game. Who cares? A big narrative, I think, overall that we brought up last episode and will be the theme here as cutdown day comes tomorrow, Tuesday at 4 p.m. Then you get waiver claims in on Wednesday. So a lot of potential movement here for the Giants. But it's about this youth versus experience narrative that has been building over the course of this offseason because the Giants are a team that are rebuilding this roster under Joe Shane and with Brian Dable and the new coaching staff at the helm. Kenny Galladay you might not know this, Andy, is considered a veteran in the NFL. He's also considered to be a guy that has had a bit of a difficult offseason. And Brian Dable essentially, I think, just kind of fumbled over his words and phrasing a little bit more than anything else. But my God, the New York media was ready to pounce. And we as well will at least take a little bite of the chum in the water. Yeah, so Kenny Galladay has not had a great preseason so far i think that can can go without saying you know people are showing him summarized by the by the little the whiff on the outside there in the past production which again i I again think is being over for what it was or was not but continue yes so obviously there's videos of him not getting in and out of cuts in training camp the way that he should people were saying he was dogging it I don't know. It's it's training camp. You're a veteran, as you said before, Adam. But yeah, the, the, the big thing yesterday coming out of the preseason game was there was a play where Kenny Galladay was expected to, to block outside for the, you know, and, and had responsibilities against the cornerback outside. And if you just watch the video at face value, it looks like Kenny Galladay does not care about blocking, does not want to block, has no interest in blocking. And 
oh, ho-hum, the cornerback ends up tackling the running back who ends up like right next to Kenny Galladay's feet. So it, the optics of it were very, very bad, Adam. It, you know, you hear more football people talk about the play itself. It was a run-pass option, which meant that K- Kenny Galladay couldn't engage the cornerback earlier or else it would have been offensive pass interference. So you kind of say, oh, okay. And then the he second piece of it. checking to see what what ended up happening. Did they go pass? Did they go run? Where am I? And well, again, it looks lackadaisical at best, but that's what I think was going on. He goes, what happened? Sugar, where am I? <laughs> you know, and that's it. Well, and the other piece of it is if it's a, if it's a run, the run generally in that situation goes inside. So like, he's basically saying the run is supposed to go inside. If I have responsibility against this cornerback, even if I'm not touching him, if I know where he is and the, and the ball is supposed to go behind me anyway, I'm good. It just so happens it looked so bad because it yeah. looked like he wasn't playing hard. He wasn't, you know, uh, engaging to block or do any of this stuff. And the player that he had responsibility against ended up making the tackle. But Adam, all of that just feels like everyone is piling on Kenny Galladay because his tenure so far with the Giants has been mediocre at best so far. And Brian Dayball was asked if Kenny Galladay's roster spot was uh, essentially safe. And this seems like an easy, easy layup for Brian Dayball, given that Kenny Galladay can't really go anywhere because of his astronomical cap hit and the fact that the Giants have $5 million in cap space. It would all go away. They would incur another $4.5 million if they were to release Kenny Galladay. So when you think he's probably saying Kenny's a veteran, we need him in this room. Instead, Brian Dable goes on to say, quote unquote, all those receivers are competing. Joe and I will sit back and talk about everything. It's like, Adam, you say he kind of fumbled over his words. The, well, the simple answer would have been, again, he's a veteran and he's going to be here knowing that Joe Shane has already told him, hey, we can't cut this guy. Like, it, it makes too much sense, it, you know, too many cap ramifications. All he's got to say is, he's a veteran in this locker room. We expect his leadership coming out of the gate. He's going to be ready to go week one. Right. Now, again, he goes on to say, Kenny has done everything that we've asked of him, asked of him in camp. Like, so he, like, again, that's where, that's where I'm labeling as like, he fumbles over his words because as you continue to go through the press conference, he basically says like, yeah, he's done everything we've asked him to do, blah, blah, blah. It's a new system. Again, if you're going to give, if we're going to give leeway to Daniel Jones or leeway to the offensive line, whatever it may be, if you're going to do that, then you should also apply to Kenny Galladay. Now for me personally, the reason why I think this is comical is because I, as you know, Andy have been saying. Kenny Galladay is not integral to the success of the New York football giants this year. And if you're going to think that he's going to be, then you're going to be sorely disappointed and your outlook of the season is going to drastically change. Cause I don't think that Kenny Galladay is the player that he once was. Also, I don't think that this coaching staff and this regime look at him the same way that basically nobody else except for Dave Gettleman looked at him when he signed him to the big contract. Right? So like that's where you're at. He is a big name. And price tag only right now and the and the funny thing to me is if it was any other circumstance as we know it's going to add another four or five million dollars if they were to outright cut him to the already tag i don't think that that's going to happen i don't think that the giants unfortunately financially can afford to make that decision but if it was not financially tied to the state of this franchise if they were not in such even a different version where they had a little bit more cap room it's not off the table that they would outright cut Kenny Galladay based on what has gone on over the course of the offseason. That's regardless of the statements or sentiments from Brian Dable in the postgame. I, I just think it's really funny because what I heard, you and I heard two different things from Brian Dable. Obviously, you heard the first part, and then he came back and said he's done everything we've asked him to do in camp. When 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 a coach says that, Adam, 
and this might be a little bit of a side tangent. When a coach says that, it would be like me, someone asking me a question about Adam Armbrecht and being like, how is he as a co-host with you on the One Giant Podcast? And if I said, well, you know, Adam hits the record button every single day on the show. Adam makes sure to put his headphones on. He does everything that I ask him to do so that we can put the podcast out. Like oh, that, don't that would not be a ring. That would not be a ringing endorsement. Yeah, it's not a glowing review or a, yeah, it's not a ringing endorsement of Kenny Galladay. I also just don't think that like I. It's like what what else would you expect him to say based on what everyone has seen and what's been covered, right? If if Brian Dable came out and said, um, I don't know, I would not take away the the apprehensive you know breath. If he was like, yeah, Kenny's looked really good this camp. We're really excited about what he's going to bring to this offense and, and how he can help us get better as we head into the regular season. You'd be like, okay, follow up, Brian. A lot of what we've seen out of camp and in preseason has been someone who, at the very least, has struggled to find his rhythm in this offensive system. Is that not a concern, right? Like that would beget these follow-up questions. But couldn't you just couldn't you just say like very simple answer? If they asked me what I thought about it, I'd say Kenny Galladay is a receiver that's been in this league quite a while. He knows what he needs to do. He is a veteran. That veteran well, leadership thing, is though. important that's in my, the I locker room. That's, that's my point. It's the same, it's all the same thing. It's all it's all the same thing. It's all a different version of coach speak. You're not going to get a definitive answer about, hey, are you willing to cut Kenny Galladay? He's not going to say that. Even if the Giants turn out tomorrow to cut Kenny Galladay and eat all the money, he's not going to say that. He's not going to say anything that's going to give you any indication about what their intention is. And that's kind of my point. Regardless of him saying he's done everything we asked him to do, and it's not a glowing review, does that give you any indication of what the Giants are considering well, doing? Before well, let me, ask, no. let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a question. Let's just say that Kenny Galladay's cap hit was neutral. Like, they outright release him. They have to incur the, the cap this year, but they don't incur the $4.5 million that's guaranteed next year that goes on the books for this year. Do you think if if they outright released him, they wouldn't get any cap space back? It would be all dead cap from the salary this year. Do you think that the Giants would – pull the trigger and just say, I don't, no, uh, they would, no, they wouldn't because I don't think that I don't think to, and, and specifically has to do with the rest of the wide receiver core. And we can kind of expand this a little bit into yesterday's game. And some you know, positives we saw Richie James was back out there on the field. This big discussion around him or CJ board feels like that's a part of this, this room that has to be discussed. Sills, a, a great Dan Dugan post going back to last week where he highlighted what the reps were uh, between quarterback and wide receiver targets. And if you follow the paper trail on that, Kenny Galladay was at the top of the list with target from Daniel Jones in preseason. And that was kind of, I think, what informs this as well. But it's the broader conversation you have in the wide receiver room. We're not sure what's going to happen with Darius Slayton. Is he here? Is he not here? Looks like he may be further away than closer to making this roster. Wandell Robinson's a rookie. Kadarius Tony has some level of just injury concerns. So the talent is undeniable. Sterling Shepard coming back from an injury, right? At that point, you're, what you're asking is, it's like, is Kenny Galladay at whatever value still worth being a third wide receiver or a fourth wide receiver and seeing what he has? Of course, he still is. He's still a better option than saying, you know what? 26-year-old Alex Bachman has really shown something this preseason. No, no, no. I know he hasn't played in the NFL, but what could he be? Because by the way, you could always make that move somewhere else down the ro- down the road. You have to, at least in theory, and most teams do this, you try to play it out until you know for sure that there's nothing left to tap out of this wide receiver tank. And because, you know, what, what's what's the more viable option? You don't, you don't help yourself at all by, let, by letting go of them. You have a roster spot, but that's it. There's no financial in this scenario. There's no financial gain here. So it's a net negative 
name the wide receiver that's more deserving of it, especially if you think you can put some of these guys on the practice squad and always elevate them at another date. Yeah, I mean, that's the hard part because you have to have the eye on the future, which is something that we've talked about at, at length on this show. Like, we don't think Kenny Galladay is going to be in the long-term plans for the Giants no. regardless, right? And you would say, well, if you had By the way, him, I was pro getting rid of him. Like, right? I got, I'm no. going to keep saying it. I was pro not having Kenny Galladay. I was pro them trying to trade him before the draft Eat the dead, ma- eat the dead money. Maybe eat some of the contract and go get player value or draft capital when there was at least some level of mystery to whether or not this guy had real value, etc. And by the way, wouldn't be shocked if at some point he wasn't a giant and he ended up on a very veteran-heavy team with an experienced quarterback. And Kenny Galladay had a little something left to show. Yeah, I mean, could you imagine all of a sudden the Giants like cut him or release him and he signs with the Packers and now he's with Aaron Rodgers and Aaron Rodgers throws him 10 touchdowns? Like you could totally see that happening because there is some big playability still left in Kenny Galladay. Listen, we were not crazy about the signing originally. We thought that we overpaid for Kenny Galladay. So we kind of feel like we've had the same trend throughout the whole thing. You and I both feel like there's probably what, a five to 10% chance that he's on the roster going into next season. So now the question is, can he showcase enough to be traded? What does the wide receiver room look like? And uh, honestly, Adam, I think more than anything else, it depends if Kenny Galladay becomes toxic to the locker room. That's really where I think the change happens for the giants, where if, if he's, if he's sulking and he's taking plays off and he's like, I don't want to be here. And he's making it, making it really tough for the other wide receivers to be excited and learn and develop. That's where it's like almost the money doesn't really matter. We can't have him here, but if he's just trying and he doesn't fit the scheme, why take a dead cap hit and move on from a guy that still has talent? A hundred percent. Again, like I'm talking down about Kenny Galladay. Like I don't think the, that he's cooked or something, but it just, again, look at what all the moves that the giants made from a draft perspective and where this wide receiving core wants to go and the style of play that they're trying to foster. Kenny Galladay is not, he's, you know, he's a round peg trying to fit in a square hole. Like things don't necessarily work perfectly for him. That being the case, the other, again, overarching theme, youth first experience like that is the theme of what the Giants are trying to do here I know we want to talk about at some point you want to sing the praises of Davis Webb and what he's done this preseason but when we think about to yesterday's game we said how much are you going to learn or not learn etc there is a debate going on right now about what happens in the running back room and I just I'm just gonna ask you very quickly flat out what is your running back room because I, I in my opinion if you're gonna go with four running backs I have a very clear four and even if you're gonna go with three I think I have a hierarchy of I want what I want. Where do you go in that running back room? Give me, yeah. give me your, give me your one through five right now. Oh, uh, you're saying rank them in order of of who's most important, who should make the roster. Like who's on the roster? Was- no, no, who's making the roster? Not about even most important, right? Like who's making the roster? What is your hierarchy? Ooh, so this I think this is one of the more interesting ones. So I'm glad Are you, you going ob- Barkley on top. You going Barkley one? So so to be honest with you, obviously Saquon will be number one. Okay. Let's let's yeah. just let, leave that one. A little there. bit of mystery, but good. Yeah. Um, th- for me, the second one is Antonio Williams. He he really is. He he has done every single thing that you would hope that you had seen from him. He showed the flashes of why he had five yards a, a rush in Buffalo, and he's brought that pass catching option to the Giants. You know. If if we're going to go three and we're going to do other considerations, I'd rather keep Jay Sean Corbin as my, as my third, knowing that he is a talented rookie undrafted feels like we're just scratching the surface in what he is and can be in this league. And I think if we're taking four, that's where Gary Brightwell's special teams ability comes in. I don't think seeing those three snaps from Matt Breida showed me anything that I would say he deserves a roster spot over Antonio Williams, 
or Jay Sean Corbin, given the upside on them. So if you're only going three, I actually think Jay Sean has a better chance of making the roster because I think he has a better chance of being claimed by another team. Um, if we're going to go four, that's where Brightwell special teams comes comes into into play. So the bottom line being, it's I think we're, we're both in agreement that I just don't I don't know what the what is the function of Matt Breida. I, I, I liked him when they brought him in. I said I was a fan of it, but you got to let what happens in preseason influence how you look at it. And to your point, Matt Breida hasn't been out there. And I'm not going to judge the carries behind, you know, a fifth string offensive line, but he hasn't been able to be out there. And the other players that have been out there have looked really strong. Now, has Jay Sean Corbin been perfect in everything? No. Is his yards per carry a little bit lower than maybe Williams or than Gary Brightwell? Sure. But he's also the undrafted rookie that you feel pretty good about and probably has out of this entire group, you'd say, although I guess Williams could have some real longevity here beyond this season, potentially he's not old, but you'd say Jay Sean Corbin is the one you can be the most excited about going forward. I like, I like Brightwell as well. And the special teams, you know, factor matters here. I'll be very curious to see if the Giants go three running backs for the, you know, for the opening 50, 53 man roster, if they're willing to go a fourth because they've looked so good, then I love it. I mean, Matt for easy one, they just say, you can cut him. You can let him because you can have and you can put it Williams and you can debate where Corbin is in that mix. And then Gary Brightwell, I, I think that, do I think that Corbin would be claimed off of waivers if they cut him and he wouldn't get to the practice squad? Not necessarily because the running back field is wide open. A lot of experience established running backs are going to be let go, including a guy like Matt Breida that other championship caliber teams season are going to look at more favorably than a young player. But I, I, I tend to agree with you injuries now for Brightwell. Oh, it's like, if you're only going three, I think I'd rather see Corbin be atop that list. So it'll be fun to watch the bottom line. Is I, I hope that the giants go with youth over veteran experience because this season is about, as I've been saying, it's about developing the young talent. It's about cleaning up the cap room, preparing for a big off season financially next year. Um, we don't need really to talk about too much about the receiver room. I think it plays itself out. One of the notes was like, everyone's been saying that David Sills has earned that roster spot here for himself. I tend to agree. Um, and again, especially when you think about Kenny Galladay and what's going well or not, just your, your brief sentiment on, I'm looking at it right now. Just to remind everybody, this is ahead of yesterday's game, but Daniel Jones didn't play. David Sills had 14 um, targets from Daniel Jones, receptions from Daniel Jones over the course of the preseason. That was only behind Kenny Galladay and Wandell Robinson and just ahead of Kadarius Tony, who didn't play a ton, obviously, in the preseason. So there you go, though, right? Your top four guys and why Kenny Galladay will be a part of this roster to start the year. That is that's what I think is indicative of it. And then if you go into what Tyrod Taylor was doing with some of these guys, the fascinating was that Colin Johnson was that guy, then Richie James. And you didn't get till David Sills until after a handful of players. I think it's the the amount of targets you saw with Daniel Jones that makes you think he should be a part of this group. The debate becomes about, you know, CJ Board, Richie James, and frankly, I, I, it doesn't really matter to me. You, I don't care. You can take anybody. You can have both of them to be gone. I think the top end of this roster, the wide receiver group, at least for right now, is set. Yeah, so I think obviously Colin Johnson getting hurt kind of, I think, cleared up the wide receiver room a little bit more, knowing that yeah, there's a little, a little bit little less decisions to be made. Adam, you were talking about Colin Johnson being that guy behind Kenny Galladay, that bigger body possession type of wide receiver. You know, if you think about it, David Sills is six foot three. Kenny Galladay is, you know, six four, maybe six five. They have a very similar role because David Sills can make contested catches. So he kind of feels like he slots into that spot over there. So I think you're right. I think David Sills has solidified his roster spot. And to be honest with you, we could have this big, grandiose debate, but I'm with you again. It's like, 
if you decide on Richie James, if you decide on CJ Board, if you decide on Alex Bachman, like what I, I, I can't get mad over any of them. Clearly, the last wide receiver that you're gonna pick on this team fills a very specific use case for whatever it is that you need. Do you need yeah. an additional slot person to be able to help out in case Sterling Shepard doesn't look healthy early? Do you need the special teams work because you didn't uh, resign Gary, you know, have Gary Brightwell on the squad. And now all of a sudden CJ boards kick and punt return becomes more important. Like there are so many different ways that you could dice and splice it. So that for me, Adam, I'm with you, whatever you need from that last wide receiver spot. Uh, you know, if you pick Richie James over CJ board, I'm not, uh, we're not going to be protesting outside of MetLife, Right. No. And I think, and by the way, Jalen Moore, who's out there wearing 87 caught me off guard. I was like, no, Sterling Shepard, hold on. Okay. It's funny because he kind of looks like, he is a different model of wide receiver relative to this group in a lot of ways. And I think as a lot of people are reporting his chance to maybe make it through the practice squad is something I think the giants would like to see happen. So they have this safety valve. Like that's the funny part guys that come in at the last possible second, as they're getting cut from other teams, it's hard to wrap your head around of now, if this player had been on the roster all off season, how would we be talking about them? And that's, I think we're gonna talk about here in the safety room where you change your mentality a little bit about a guy who was brought in, Mid flow has been here for a few weeks now, but looks a little bit different. So more as a guy, an eye, and I think Bachman, you get him through the practice squad as well. Everybody else throws by the wayside. Although uh, Toya Vowen, I, I don't know, man. I mean, the guy's out there; he's making moves. <laughs> how, can we, how can we really? How can we really be too negative? We're not going to talk tight ends here. Short of saying, uh, Daniel Bellinger had a couple of explosive plays yesterday. It's just nice to see his continued development. Like Got he's going to be a little bit. Got yeah, yeah, up a little bit. He, he came, he came back. That'd be fun. Uh, we have, we have no time for any more injury. I can't even acknowledge injuries at this point because everything's too thin already. But we'll we'll talk about him tomorrow as well. Um, this let's go to the safety room on the defensive side of the ball. There's other things I want to talk about just from a defensive uh, standpoint. A very specific player that also stood out yesterday. In I'll go by Pop Pop. I think Bob Pop. You should know. So Calitro, not Calitro. I like Calitro. Um, safety room though. Some people are talking about that. Uh, Maybe Thompson, who's been a bright spot this offseason, could be the guy outside looking in in that group because you have another player who shined yesterday. Yeah, so Nate Metters is is a guy, uh, I believe, who's undrafted 2019, signed with the Minnesota Vikings, has kind of bounced around. But the Giants signed him a couple of weeks ago. And, you know, Dan Duggan is a guy that I respect. I love, you know, his insights. He's clearly tapped into kind of the, the feeling from the coaching staff and and the boots on the ground. He basically said, don't be surprised if Nate Metters makes the roster over Trenton Thompson, which kind of took me aback because I'm like, whoa, Trenton Thompson has been here doing everything that he needs to do. I had it in my mind that, you know, once Andrew Adams was gone, that like Trenton Thompson was the next man up. Instead, it sounds like Nate has the ability to make this roster. Yeah, and, I, this, and this is the example of I said about a guy like Moore, who we didn't get to see a lot of. But when you bring in a player and he is uh... – a year younger than Nate is. So, and he's a little bit taller, a little bit heavier, et cetera. But when you bring in a player late and you feel like, well, this other guy has been doing so well for us. And we're actually going to talk about in the linebacking court too. This is the difference of talent level, right? So you let go of, of, of Adams. We don't know for sure. Maybe he gets brought back. Maybe he gets picked up. We're thinking about what happens with Yusuf Corker here. Most people, when we talk about that 53 man room, talking about McKinney and love and Belton, and then Nate getting thrown up there over top of Trenton, and then Yusuf Corker going to the practice squad. Even Thompson is getting mentioned, getting through potentially to the practice squad. But this is the talent level. We only get to evaluate what's on the field for the Giants until something better comes in the door. And again, Joe Shane may be looking going and say, yeah, Thompson's playing really well. We like him as a developmental player, even though he's making some tackles and he looks good out there. 
He's not as athletic. He's not as talented. He's not whatever, whatever it may be, right? Now we can get our hands on another guy. Bring him in. And he's, yeah, yeah, he's going to start. Same thing like we think about cornerback room, right? We're talking, we're talking about them a little bit here too. Okay, Robinson has to develop. We think maybe he can get there. We got to see. He's looked a little bit, well, maybe a little bit off there, right? All of a sudden, the guy becomes available on the market tomorrow, a cutdown day. Waiver claim goes in on Wednesday when the Giants are fifth overall in that order because of how crap they've been the last couple of years. Like, all of a sudden, that guy you think is talented isn't even on a roster in the NFL. And we've had this experience over the past handful of seasons. David Mayo is a backup linebacker, but we all sat there and watched him be a starter for week after week for the Giants. Listen, it's as a fan, it's really hard because we get excited for the regular season to come. And during training camp, we, we find these, we scratch the surface, find a quote unquote diamond in the rough, an undrafted guy, a claim guy. And he has a couple good days in training camp and we start knowing his name. We get his backstory. We're excited. And then they put a waiver claim in for a guy that's played in the NFL. That's been there. And all of a sudden that guy that we just invested our time, effort and energy in is no longer on the roster. That is hard for fans. If you said, who would you rather have Trenton Thompson or Nate Metters? People would say Trenton Thompson, just because he's been here for a few weeks more than Nate Metters has. Right. But that's not how a front office thinks. They think, what do we need in this room? Who has more long-term viability? Who gives us maybe the veteran piece of it or being in the NFL or being on practice squads before is more important because we need experience in a, in a thin room. Like we, we just don't know. It's not just what we see or who's been there longer that we have now like gotten emotionally attached to. Like you said, and once this roster goes down from, from 80 to 53, there's going to be quite a few guys that we've heard all about in camp that are not going to be on this roster anymore. And the interesting note there is 25 and 24 years old. And this, again, that debate about like, so let's ask that question when we talk about a guy um, like Austin Calitro. So, so Calitro is a fascinating story. Obviously he's 28 years old. Adam came into the league in 2017. I know. And I, I'm like on youth. I know. So it's more like, you know, he's 28 years old. He came in the league in 2017. It's 2022. He's been on 11 different teams. Like, he is the veteran. He is the veteran presence and the youth. He's been, he's the veteran. He's the youth. He's seen a lot. He's not been around for, for too many things. But uh, you know, in in all seriousness, the tough part for me is he is quote unquote kind of a journeyman right now. Yeah, yeah. He he actually grew up um, in Connecticut. Dreamed of being a giant. Always wanted to be a giant. So this is like a homecoming for him. Very excited to be here. Uh, here's here's the only question I have. I, I say all that just to give context. But Adam, if the preseason games don't matter, then like, what are we doing? Because Calitro has I, done I, see, every I single I, thing that he's I don't supposed think to do. Preseason games don't matter. I think preseason games do matter. I think no. I, I, I understand why people say that. I know, I know you mean, but it's like, they have to matter. Otherwise, how can you, you like, know, what are we doing? You're just, what are yes. we doing? If he goes out there, recovers fumbles, instinctually is intercepting passes, doing everything that you ask him to do. It's multiple games in a row where you're saying his name because he's making awesome plays. And so the question is like, if that isn't enough for him to be the back end middle linebacker roster spot, like what's the point? Like what Let are we you, doing? Yeah. Right. Let me put it in this context. Right. Cause you, you, you accurately pointed out, like I, I, I ended up getting caught up in the excitement of players making plays in preseason and adding it to this youth. We know Calitro is not a young player, but he's a player that's proving himself. The same thing as saying, if it's Richie James or CJ board, neither one of them is 22 years old. But if one of them proves it, same thing with David Sills, right? Same thing with Alex Bachman. These are guys that are, young from an NFL experience standpoint, but if they're proving it, then you have those guys in house. But so Calitro, let's put it this way. It's not one-to-one, but if you're making these cutdowns, do you want the Giants to keep Quincy Roche or do you want them to keep Calitro? 
Because I think that's a very interesting one. It's not one-to-one position, but you're talking about a guy that's 24 years old in Quincy Roche, who the coaching staff doesn't seem to love, hasn't necessarily popped this offseason the way he did last year for the team. Do you go with a kid who's 24, or do you go with a veteran journeyman linebacker who's shown you something? Well, for for whatever reason, Roche has not been as good, or has not looked as good under Wink Martindale's scheme, whether it's size and how they want him to play and where they want him to be. It just hasn't worked as well. It, to be honest with you, there's more talent with Quincy, Quincy Roche, and there's more upside with Quincy Roche. I will say that. The Giants are very, very thin at linebacker, especially the middle linebacker. And my question to you is, do you take the talent or do you kind of go with what the locker room is probably thinking? And it's like, hey, this guy's working his tail off to make the roster. He's making all the plays. If you end up just taking the guy that like, oh, you know, he hasn't really shown it, but maybe he will over the guy that's doing everything. Literally, you've asked for him and more. Like, what, what does that say to the players that are trying to make the roster at other spots, too? Like, that's the tough part that I have in my mind around this. And even Carter Coughlin would be, the, like, the, the apps maybe one-to-one ratio here, right? He's young. Has he shown you anything really this offseason? Maybe not. A little bit of special teams value. Looks like Cam Brown has really moved his needle in the right direction. Yeah, I. this is the push and pull because, to me, everything should be about the young players and developing that talent and taking the risk-reward of it. So, in this case, like, I like Kalitro. I think that he's popped. I think that we need to see him. And I think that he's probably a good guy to have in the locker room. Also, in the year that isn't really about wins or losses, taking the risk of Quincy Roche maybe panning out and saying, hey, he's a backup rotational piece, and we bring him back on a three-year deal next offseason, and it's a, it's not going to cost a lot. You know you're going to have tons of money to spend – but maybe he fleshes himself out a little bit. It's the same thing about a guy like Cam Brown. Cam Brown's been maybe the best special teams player that the Giants have on their roster. And also, you can make the case, is he has he done anything as a linebacker, though? Why, why not keep Thompson over him? No, we might be able to develop him underneath Wink Martindale in a way that's going to look different over the next couple of years, right? So all these things are happening simultaneously. And to steal Andrew's thunder a little bit, at the end of the day, it's going to be fascinating to see the choices that the Giants make here. Because they are, as we said, fifth in the waiver claim order. So when you look through this roster and you think we didn't even talk about you know, the offensive line and what's going to happen there, I think a lot of things can kind of be set in stone. We're going to update the fact that Shane Lemieux is not going to play week one, and that's problematic short-term and long-term for that player being a fifth-round pick from a previous regime. Just everything feels very much in a state of flux in spite of what you and I talked about. There's only so many decisions to make here. For this roster, right? There's only so many positions up for up for debate. And what the Giants do, though, as cuts happen and waiver claims get placed, will tell you everything you need to know about where they think this team is. And if they see other young talent that they'd like to try to develop this year, as opposed to occupying something with a guy like Nick Williams on the defensive line, a veteran who's also looked pretty good. But does that matter as much as the possibility of identifying young talent? And, and Adam, keep in mind, when, when you talk about this, how, how things are going to get cut down, we didn't want to talk about injuries, but injuries are so huge for the Giants yep. right now. There's so many injuries that it's going to impact who actually makes the roster. And the, the, the very simple for me at the end of the day on this is, think about Kayvon Thibodeau being hurt. Think about Aziz Ojolari being hurt. Two of our defensive ends are already hurt. That probably makes Quincy Roche more valuable if either or both of them yeah. can't go week one. You have to have him out there. It, it could mean O'Shane Ximenez moves or up the list because you need a spot, veteran. Right? 
Right. Yeah. Like (laughs) that's, that's, that's the hard part. And when you think about Shane Lemieux taking up a roster spot, we're getting even thinner at at the offensive line position. Those, all those things that you just mentioned are going to impact things like, can we take seven wide receivers? Will Quincy Roche make the roster? Can we afford to carry four running backs with all these injuries around the offensive line and the, the edge rush linebacker position? It's going to be hard to carry excess at other positions when you need to fill those roster spots because guys are hurt. And here, I'll leave you with this um, as Andy tries to rein me in like a bucking Bronco today. <laughs> I, have, I have so many. Th- we're going to come in tomorrow. I think I may try to do a live on Wednesday when they're getting the waiver claims in because it is. There's so much going on here. The balance is going to be, though, like we're talking about in this moment, Quincy Roche is worth, you know, worth trying to develop. Windsor losses aside, what happens when he's in there week three and he's not making the play, right? Then you're, like, we're all, we're all going to go, Come on, man. Ocean Exam in his last couple of years, right? Like, hey, buddy, if you can't cut it, you can't be on this roster. And that's when you'll start to go, maybe a 28-year-old whatever could have been more worth it, right? If Carter Coughlin is there over Calitro and Carter Coughlin isn't making the play, he's missing the tackle, you're going to turn around and go, listen, maybe he was 28 and maybe wins and losses don't matter, but I sure am pissed off on Sundays when I'm not seeing the plays get made. That's the push and pull of all this because we want the team to be competitive. We want the team to go out and try to win. First and foremost, I want them to win. I don't care what it costs them in the long run. I want the satisfaction of winning games. And yet we know under Joe Shane and the new staff, there has to be this bigger picture at play here in every short-term choice they make. Get us over on YouTube, man. Get on the comments. You don't even, you can tell me that Kalicho's 28. I'm going to hear that over and over again. I'm, 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 I'm revved up here. I'm, I'm gassed up, friends. We got a lot of things to sort through. Get that podcast feed. We're really going to be diving in on all this stuff over the next couple of weeks. This is it, man. This is prep for Tennessee now. That's what we're going to be turning over to as this week concludes and we head into next week. You obviously get those podcast needs fulfilled. Get in on the conversation. Until next time, as Andy Mackowitz wants, needs, and nay, demands the people know. As always, let's go Big Blue.